The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome. Welcome to the Haunted Estate. And welcome to the Haunted Estate, here with just me, just little tiny spooky boo, little spooky boo, and if you're watching this and you see me, and I'm in the bed, I have this day bed where Joel and I sit, but if you notice, I'm at an unflattering angle, I'm in a nightie with no bra, cause here's the issue, I messed up my back, pretty bad, I don't know what I, well I do know what I did. I'm not gonna lie like that. Joel has been missing, and the podcast just doesn't feel right without him, but I hope that you're having a good time with me this week and next week is just gonna be me because guess who got married two days ago? My little tiny baby brother Joel. Joel Spooky Boo. He's married. He married Carissa. It was freaking magical. It was gorgeous. And you know where they are right now? They are on an airplane headed to Ireland. You know how jealous I am? Ireland is like one of the spookiest, coolest places in the world and everybody talks all Irish and then they're going to Rome. So if you guys love him, send him lots of messages. By the time this comes out, he's still going to be there. He'll be a couple days in and I'm just so excited for him to just go and be free and like experience life because guys, he's married. I don't know if he, he talked about this, but he also got a house. People were talking about that. So we must've mentioned it somewhere. So the week before his wedding, they actually got their house pretty close to mine, which is really, really cool. They moved into their house exactly like seven days, eight days before their wedding, which was crazy. So their life has been going at hyperspeed. So he wasn't there because I honestly just gave him some time off so he could get ready for the wedding and get ready in his new house. Um, and then we had the wedding, which was awesome. And then yesterday was Sunday and Adam got this topper for his bed and I had to lift this box and I put out my back, which sucks, dude. going to be honest. I want to go with my friend Taylor tomorrow to the beach and go shopping and have fun, but I'm dealing with my back. And also explain this to me. I don't burn. 
I don't get sunburns. If I do, it's such a mild thing and it's gone by morning. We did wedding photos for like an hour and guess everyone was whiter than me. I'm the one who got the insane burn all over my boobs, all over my my shoulders, all over my back. I can't wear a bra. Today's the first day I can even move my arms. I'm getting blisters. I'm literally, look at me or listen to me. I'm falling apart. I am. I'm falling apart. And Adam's like, yo, stop eating so much. You're making it worse. I am. He was, he's being supportive, not rude. When I get stressed, I, I'm a binge eater. That's my eating disorder. Ooh, that's something we could talk about. I have an eating disorder. I have a binge eating disorder. It's pretty violent. If I feel emotion, I eat them. And I'm a Pisces. So explain. <laughs> I literally, Adam and I were taking notes on stuff that I want to talk about. Yes, I want to talk about Joel's wedding, which honestly, guys, I'm going to be honest. We all know Joel is a softie. The second those doors opened for the bridesmaid, Stephen walked down. Joel was crying. When he saw his wife, oh my gosh, floodgates were open. He was bawling his eyes out. Before the wedding even started, he was crying his eyes out. Adam had to go to the back room. But I mean this in the cutest, most beautiful way ever. Like, Adam did not like look impressed well he looked impressed but he did not cry when i walked down the aisle and joel oh my god he lost his mind and it was beautiful and I, yeah was i jealous yeah but i got to watch it and of course joel crying made me cry like a freaking baby oh anyways i got married at this um at the portuguese hall well they got married at a church here in town and then we went to the portuguese portuguese i want to say that right because i'm coming off route portuguese hall in london and um adam i had this hilarious moment so the table was like up at the front and there was like all like this white you know gauze from the ceiling but there was a stage behind there and behind the stage you could go up these like little stairs to this room where like the bride was allowed to hang out and there's a washroom up there so adam and i just like kind of wanted to bring because neither of us drink yeah boring right um sometimes i do adam can't but um we went up to this like little room so i'm like yo gonna be honest with you guys I had to poop didn't want to do it in the stalls with all the ladies and we go up there and the lights on under the door but the room is pitch black so it's like a big room and then there's like a little door with a light and i'm like is someone in there and i was like oh i'll go check so he goes and knocks and listens and there's somebody there but we're in this pitch black room so we turn on the light and we sit at the table just to wait thinking someone's in there like peeing or pooping a literal naked man in a towel walks out into another room and we're just kind of like looking at each other like what the fuck do we do and then i realized his clothes were on the table in there i don't know it was weird so we just kind of deked out of there because i was like this is uncomfortable and i literally don't know what we're gonna do so let's just leave this dude but yeah joel and chris are gone they're in ireland and then they're going to rome they want to look at castles they're gonna have so much fun i need to go to ireland are you from ireland anyone listening to this do you hear how tired I am? I want to be honest with you. It is 8.49 and I just put makeup on and I want to film a YouTube video. I want to react to Sam and Colby's videos, the ones that I was in previously. If you have not checked out the newest video, it came out on Sunday, The Crescent Hotel. It is so good. It is so scary and it's so funny. Seriously, I was with Chris, Sam, and Colby. Think of that quad. Think of that quad. It was hilarious and scary but it was the best ever and I actually ended up getting violently ill and leaving so chris had to go on to the next location with them without me and i am just so excited to see the video some shit went down even though i wasn't there 
I was involved. You will see. It'll be crazy. But make sure that you check out this episode that just came out. I love this season. Empath literally blew my whole mind. What what else is new? I know you guys like the catch-ups. You guys always talk about how you enjoy the catch-ups. Um, here's a fun one. So I had a Mustang. I got it back in February. Loved it, but it was not practical. I literally bought it for the color. <laughs> it was green. It was spooky boo green. I'm literally wearing the eyeshadow. That is the color of that car. I loved it, but it wasn't practical because I already have a Porsche. I don't mean to sound like a fucking spoiled brat. My Porsche is old. We're cool. But I needed something because we're moving to this dirt road. I saw it. I saw a Bronco and I decided, bitch, I want a Bronco. Little do I find out, Broncos don't exist. They just don't. You literally cannot find Broncos. There's a six-month waiting list everywhere, a year. All of them are spoken for. Dealerships were literally laughing at me. Some people had some, but I had a really specific one that I wanted. I wanted the Eruption Green. I wanted it to be a Badlands. Like, I had my specs. I wanted the, t- the high package with the 12-inch screen. <sighs> so, what ends up happening here? I end up calling this one dealership. I called 37 dealerships, okay? I get to this one. He goes, we have actually something coming off the truck. Let me send you pictures. I'm like, please be green or be white. Be green or white. Be green or white. Be green or white. Please be green or white. Be green or white. They had it. They had the eruption green. Badlands with a soft top. I was like, bitch, I will be there right now. They were amazing. So, guys, if you want a car, Terrace Ford in Burlington, right off the highway. Changed my goddamn life. Not only did I go there that day... They let me leave it. I literally got to leave the Mustang and drive away with my brand new Bronco that day. And I love it. I think it's my most favorite car ever. Have I left the roof open so it'll rain inside? Yeah, but that's fine because there's drains in the floor. Gonna be honest, my most favorite car I've ever had. And I've had like 20 cars. So that's saying a lot. I really thought I was like purely a luxury car person, which is such a freaking douchey thing to say. But like, I mean, old luxury cars don't need to be new. I'm gonna tell you right now, this bitch will not fork out $200,000 for a car. Are you kidding me? I don't even have that. Suck it. No. (laughs) Um, I've always driven hearses. I thought hearses were my thing. Funny thing, my insurance company has like come around and I'm like having a really hard time keeping insurance on my hearse, which is such a fucking weird thing to talk about ever. It's like I barely drive it and it was for dead people and I'm like not going to get in an accident regardless. They're being weird about it. I don't want to fight them. I'm going to Grand Bend tomorrow. If you're from Grand Bend, I'll already be gone by the time you see this. But I am going tomorrow and like low-key. Sorry, that was a big situation change. It doesn't matter. They have a walk-in tattoo place. And this ghost on my arm, I got there. And I'm thinking that I might get another tattoo when I'm there. I want a vampire mouth. But like, I also want no more tattoos. Have you ever been in a situation where you just want more, but also want none at all? Because that's where I'm at right now. And it's super fun, but it super sucks. But it's who I am. And that's all that matters. Anyways, since we are literally back here playing this game again with just me and my blowout back with no brawn because I have too bad of a sunburn. You know what's weird? Where my I wasn't wearing a bra, right? Because I'm wearing like this bridesmaid's dress that holds my boobs in, and it was off the shoulder. But somehow, where my bra always lays is white still, and I don't get it. I don't. Anyways, I thought this would be a fun little opportunity to read to you. 
from one of my books. I was thinking Blackwick Falls. I thought we could start that one because I haven't read it for a really long time. It's, I don't know how many, I don't think I saw as many of these. I don't think many people know about this one. And I'm going to tell you a fun little, fun little backstory about this book right here. So Blackwick Falls, The Marked Witch. I had an idea for this book and I was hardcore obsessed with Billie Eilish at the moment. So the girl in the front of this with like the blonde hair, that's definitely Billie in my eyes, but <clears throat> I've always loved witches. I've always loved spooky stuff. So let me read you the back. I, hon I honestly wrote this so many years ago. Like I know what it's about, but I also just like, I don't really remember. So Blackwick Falls. I hope you enjoy these little readings. It'll be good. It'll give you a little teaser. This book is not on Audible, but you can pick it up on Amazon. Black Wick Phones. After the tragic loss of her mother, 19-year-old Billy Gladstone. I did name her Billy. It was after Billy Eilish. I'm not going to like. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to tell you the truth. After the loss, wait, yeah. After the tragic loss of her mother, 19-year-old Billy Gladstone finds herself in the small town of Blackwick Falls. She was raised thinking that she and her mother were all alone in the world. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Quickly, Billy is thrown into a whole new world that she could never imagine existed. Billy never believed in witches or magic. So who was this rich family? How do they know about her? Why are they telling her she's a witch? Why did her mother never tell her about them? With this new life comes many questions about her past. But most importantly, what does this mean for her future? So guys, cozy up in your bed or your car or your laundry. I don't know what you're doing. Snuggle in and enjoy this reading from Blackwick Falls, The Marked Rich by Selena Myers. Narrated by Selena Myers. Mm -hmm. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's fun to see all the stuff I set up in here. For my mama, I grew up with stories of witches and warlocks, my mother sitting in a chair beside my bed, bringing all the stories to life. She planted a seed in my heart and soul for reading and writing. I wanted to take people to a place those books took me. Mom, thank you for always supporting me. Here's a story just for us. She's never read this. <laughs> I should read it to her. Okay. Prologue. I love prologues. Ooh. They make me randy. Okay. <clears throat> Ready, guys? <clears throat> Prologue. April 14th, 1977. Hallie panted. Her hair was soaked with sweat. She grunted and pushed a final time. The wail of her newborn baby pierced the air. Exhausted, she sank back against the pillows, but she knew it wasn't over. It's a girl, the midwife murmured. Hallie gasped in joy and watched in anticipation as the midwife quickly wiped the crying child and then handed it to the head of the coven. As the old woman examined every inch of the baby, Hallie closed her eyes and prayed. A soft murmur trickled through the room, and she opened her eyes to see the old witch presenting the child to her. The black birthmark at the nape of the baby's neck was unmistakable, a perfect circle. Hallie's child was chosen. Oh, yeah, there you go. ASMR. A witch was chosen only once, maybe twice in a century. To be chosen was considered the highest honor in their culture, as they would always be celebrated. And yet, almost every new mother held her breath in fear that her sweet baby would be cursed with the mark. Not Hallie, she squealed with excitement. She and her baby would have looked like a princess and a queen. Her daughter would name her Mary, but she would be incredibly powerful. More importantly, though, Hallie would live at least the next 29 years of her life with the finest riches. There was a large estate. Did I miss a page? Or did I skip something, guys? Okay, guys, we're good. We're good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me restart this page. I could start again, but yeah. A witch was chosen only once, maybe twice in a century. To be chosen was considered the highest honor in their culture, and they would always be celebrated. And yet almost every new mother held her breath in fear that her sweet baby would be cursed with the mark. Not Hallie. She squealed with excitement and excitement she and her new baby would be looked at as a princess and a queen her daughter she would name her mary would be incredibly powerful more importantly though hallie would live at least the next 29 years of her life with the finest riches there was a large estate in blackwick falls which was reserved for the family of the chosen along with a big fat bank account of old money 
There had not been a marked child born within at least the last 80 years, so the house had had sat empty since the mother of the last chosen had passed away nearly two decades earlier. All of that now belonged to her, Hallie Gladstone. What did it matter that in 29 years, on the morning of her daughter's birthday, the girl would be put to death? Hallie had never been a warm woman. The two daughters that she had birthed before this were burdens rather than adored children. They hadn't given Hallie what she, do- what she so desperately wanted. And now she cradled little Mary in her arms and gazed into the baby's eyes. I knew you were going to be the one, Hallie whispered softly. The women in the room stared at each other with grim looks on their faces. Some knew the coolness of Hallie, but couldn't understand her lack of empathy. The others hid in shock, and they felt Hallie's joy. They, too, were witches, and understood the importance of the moment. This little, sweet girl was doomed to die. There was no way around it. If she wasn't put to death at the appointed time, they would all be in danger. So, as unpleasant as it was, the sacrifice was necessary, and for six centuries witches wept when they discovered their daughters were chosen except for Hallie Gladstone. Chapter 1 April 13th, 1997 The darkness of the night was so thick that it almost hummed with its own voice, and the sound of distant whispers of the rain hung in the atmosphere as Mary Gladstone paced back and forth in her now-empty bedroom. The slight glimmers of silver moonlight and flickering flames of her waning candles were the only light that allowed her to barely see in the gloom of the vacant expanse of the wood-paneled room. She only had a few more left. Once these were out, this would be it. She would be left alone in the darkness of the room that now resembled more of a prison cell than a refuge of her childhood bedroom. (coughs) It had been some time since she had been back here, and with good reason. Mary had grown tired of the overbearing, constant lack of privacy and strict adherence of the rules that she had been subjected to these last few years in preparation for her special ceremony. And she and her mother Hallie had been falling out on Mary's eight- had a falling out on Mary's eighteenth birthday. It was accumulated in Mary's announcement that she was moving out. Worried that her youngest daughter would leave for good and never look back, Hallie had suggested she moved into the apartment above the family's bookstore in town. Mary knew she was being humored, but the move gave her space that she needed. To seal the deal, Hallie had transferred the property to her daughter's names. The gesture seemed hollow to Mary, after all. It was nothing more than a temporary arrangement. Mary longed for the opportunity to have an everyday normal person problems. All normal people had to worry about was whether or not they were going to get into a good college or end up with a dead-end job, whether or not they'd live a long life, produce a litter of laughing, loving children, and die at 110 years old, of old age, in someone's arms. These were the things that she daydreamed about, the limit of her aspirations. Many people, (laughs) people, she laughed bitterly to herself, thought this was a silly way to view the world because where she had come from and who she truly was. But she found it precisely because of where she had come from and who she truly was that she found herself just desiring to be ordinary. 
She was growing exhausted from all the pressures, pressure and urgency to make it to the point of age where she could take her place in the canons of history, as they put it. What if she didn't want to be a part of making history, especially for what they were asking her to do? Who in their right mind would want to be tasked with this responsibility? They all told her that she was mad for not wanting to do this, that she should be honored. Her sister Liza and Alice were quite jealous that they had not been chosen. But then again, it was pure luck that it had landed her with the title. If only she could have found one more way to leave. She had attempted for the past two years to leave Blackwick Falls, but the coven spells forced her to stay. She had initially been enough, but as Mary's powers grew, her own spells became more powerful. She was able to place protection spells around the store, powerful enough to keep the other witches out. But a week ago, the coven had finally managed to cast a spell that had compelled her to return to the manor. She had been sequestered in her old bedroom and locked in. They had been sure to remove everything from her room except for her bed, a wardrobe, and a small nightstand to keep her from... Sorry, guys. Hiding anything away that could aid her escape. For two days, Mary tried spell after spell before finally realizing that they had laced her food with a potion to dampen her powers making her helpless against the burial spells that had been cast upon the windows and doors. There was only one way out she could think of, but it would certainly be pushing it. They were waiting for the clock to strike 3.33 on the morning of her 20th birthday, and at this time it was fast approaching. She looked out the tall slender windows that revealed a view of the vast grounds outside. The forest swayed in anticipation of an un oncoming storm, the bright moon made the tops of the trees below shimmer, the delicate new leaves glistening brightly like little twinkling stars on a sea of fog. As she lifted her gaze to the sky, she knew from the height and the slant of the moon that it was only a matter of time before they'd be coming to take her down to the altar room. But she also knew that it would not be long before they came for her. Hopefully, he would come through in just enough time. Mary was sure he would. Her friend had always been good in a pinch. That night was the first night, wait, the night Mary first officially met Joel. She had been a nine-year-old girl, practicing some solitary spell work in the garden. She had spent most evening, evenings avoiding her older sisters, whose favorite game in the world was tormenting her. Mary had often seen Joel working in the estate's sprawling gardens alongside his mother and father, who were both witch shapeshifter hybrids, but she had never spoken with them. That evening, though, through her reckless Aunt Mildred, accidentally conjured a minor demon, and in an attempt to banish it, she merely succeeded in chasing it from the house, where it spotted Mary, and attempted to take her off. Luckily, Joel happened to be passing by, and he vanquished the demon and saved her life, and they've been best friends ever since. At 22 years old, he, sat, he stood six feet two inches tall. Joel was one of the only men allowed on the property, and Mary followed him everywhere he went. She didn't know any men aside from the other servants and was fascinated by him. Mary learned that <clears throat> Mary learned through his parents that some powers that he had were very few. Because he was a man, he didn't inherit any of his mother's magic, and the shape-shifting magic was so diluted after several generations that he only had the barest minimum of, gener of powers. 
As a result, Joel was nearly human. Although his demeanor gave the impression that he had grown very tired of dealing with humanity. Except for her, of course. Joel was always patient with Mary and never seemed to mind her taking along after him. Helping him with his chores in the garden, Mary had spent her life being either revered, bullied, or ignored. And she found that Joel liked her for who she was. Before long, he had become her most trusted friend. Mary suddenly felt the temperature of the room around her drop. There was a sense of a presence that didn't belong in the house, but she couldn't quite put her finger on it. But it gave her a slightly uneasy feeling. The oversized clock in the great hall downstairs clanged. The time had come. They would soon be there for her to take her to her fate. The sensation of breath and overlapping whispers filled her eels, ears and a scent a tingle down her spine. You didn't think I'd miss this, did you? A familiar voice asked playfully. In spite of her overwhelming sense of foreboding, the sounds of Joel's voice put her heart at ease. A smile bubbled up from inside her, slightly curling the inside of her lips before it traveled to her eyes. She turned to take in the sight of the all-too-familiar form of her best friend. With his brown hair and dark gray clothing, the darkness nearly swallowed him. Mary's smile grew bigger and she let out a sigh of relief as they rushed forward and embraced him tightly. She wanted to beg him to never let her go, no matter what was to befall them. I knew you would come for me, she said in a quiet voice. I told you before, I will always be there for you, Joel responded, lightly stroking her long dark hair. He released her and held her at arm's length for a moment before dropping his hands to his sides. They're already here. We must go quickly. Mary frowned. I see that you managed to get in, but with the barrier spells that the coven put on the windows and the doors, I don't know how I'm supposed to get out. Joel took her small, pleasantly rounded face in his hands and kissed her forehead. It took me most of the night to get past the witch's barriers, but I have a plan. Taking her hand, he turned towards the window, but it was too late. With a gust of wind, the bedroom doors were flung open. The pair whirled around. Mary was clutching Joel's hand so tightly that she almost felt his bones creak in protest. They stared at the doorway, watching the expanse quickly fill up with the stoically still bodies of dark, cloaked figures. The bodies began to part as they made their way for the leaders of the small army. Mary's eyes panned from side to side as she saw the procession of short and slightly round finger figure with chestnut brown hair, her sister Alice, next to follow through the magnitude multitude and up to the front to take her place to the left was her sister Liza even though Mary's spine tingled with anxiety at the sight of these two she knew they were no match for her it was the third and final person and was the most concerned about her mother Hallie no matter what she did no matter that Mary was supposedly the stronger witch of her generation Hallie always seemed to have some kind of uncanny effect on her and finally there she was mary heard the scrape of her mother's long skirt across the wood floor in the hallway and the shuffle of her feet as they made their way towards her suddenly she stood before her youngest daughter and she looked very displeased her features were harshly lit by the moon and now pouring through the window behind mary and joel 
Casting their long shadows across the floor, Hallie's striking deep-set eyes and bird-like long nose and cliff-like cheekbones all created a strange, terrible sight in the unforgiving surroundings. Mary was not sure if she liked the way the moonlight threw everything into sharp relief of expression of displeasure on her mother's face, and it created an even greater sense of terror within her. Whatever it was, she hoped that Joel would somehow end this encounter very soon. But how could he stand up to three powerful women? With a flourish, Hallie snapped open a lacy fan and began to approach. Mary and Joel. Approach Mary and Joel. Guys, I'm really bad at reading today. It seemed as if the room had expanded and become quite a different space, one with nothing else in it but this impeding battle between the two factions, and Mary knew the pair were frightfully outnumbered. I'm certain you're aware, my dear girl, of how disappointed I am by this entire situation. I cannot say I'm terribly surprised of your actions, considering your prior inclinations for utter disobedience and shrieking of your ultimate responsibilities." Hallie's eyes blazed at Mary, who put her head down. She knew if she held eye contact for too long, she would be overtaken by the guilt spell Mary's mother was trying to manifest, and that she would most likely submit, for she was too overcome with fear to concentrate on her energy or anything else. But you, Hallie turned her intentions to Joel. This is quite surprises me. This quite surprises me to my very core. You cannot possibly believe that of all things, you could prevent me from happening. It was easy to tell why Joel was there. You could smell it on him. But with all due respect, madam, I had to try. Hallie laughed. You're as powerless as my eldest two children, she said with a sweep of her hand in their direction. Mother, powerless, Liza seemed to roar out her words as she lunged forward into a surge of anger. Oh, mother, how could you say such things? Alice whimpered, her bottom lips slightly junting out, her eyes filling with tears. She pulled out a small white handkerchief and dabbed at her cheeks. She offered it to Liza, who quickly slapped it away. Away from me, you idiot, Liza growled. Alice only shrunk back for a moment in feigned terror before making a lunge towards her connoisseur counter-attack her sister. The commotion behind Hallie was making it very difficult for her to focus on the matter at hand. She turned in a fury, raising her arms. Two gusts of wind blasted from her hands, thrusting the two young women against opposite walls. Enough! Her voice resounded through the entirety of the house, causing it to shudder and shake, as if it was also afraid of her. As pleasant as all had been, the moon was at her peak. Time is of the essence. If we were to take care of the task at hand, Mary, Hallie held out her hand towards her daughter. Mary felt the urge to take it, and her own hand had moved up involuntarily before she came to her senses and pulled it away without making contact. No, Mary said with a stern forcefulness in her voice that made her mother step back in shock for she had never heard her daughter use that kind of tone with her before. No, she shrieked. If you don't do this, you will kill all of us. Do you want that? Mary glared at her mother in defiance. I'm afraid you've given me no choice. Know that this hurts me more than it hurts you. 
Holly spread her arms and splayed her fingers. Mary began to feel a pull, as if it was a vacuum, sucking all the energy out of the room towards her mother. It grew stronger by the second. Holly suddenly threw her arms forward and a wave of white particles appeared and surged towards Mary. Without warning, a wall of flames roared up out of the floor and halted in the wave. The witches shrieked in horror. Shocked, Mary turned to Joel, but he had taken on another form. He towered over her now, his shoulders broader, his eyes complete black pools of darkness. She only had a moment to adjust her consciousness to this utterly alarming appearance before he gave her a big, toothy grin and rushed her direction and rushed her in the direction of the windows. A moment later, she found herself crashing through the panes of glass and free-falling from the third-story house. Mary's ears were filled with the sounds of her own cries and the howling of the wind as the grass rushed up towards her. Just before hitting the ground, she was swept up into the air. Mary screamed before realizing that she was being carried far above the ground by two strong, sinewy arms. Wind buffeted her face, tangling the strands of her long hair and making some of them and making some of them fight for a place in her gaping mouth. She turned her head and brushed her hair away that was nestled in ver- and realized she was nestled in very capable arms. Thank you for flying with Joel Airlines. Where to, milady? Joel laughed as a heavy beat of his wings propelled them up over a grove of trees. Mary let out a hearty laugh of her own. Joel, she screamed. I thought you could barely access any powers. You always... She paused and gazed up into his eyes. No, Mary, you just assumed I couldn't. It's a really long story. Joel returned her gaze for a moment and then shook his head and looked straight ahead. So where are we off to? Anywhere but here. Mary squeezed her eyes shut and took her first breath, and it felt like forever. She had an overwhelming sense of hope crushed through her. For once, she was going to be able to live her own life, and an ordinary life free from their prying and pecking rituals. She would hide to be as mundane, she would hide and be as mundane of a person as possible. She was finally going to be able to live like a normal person. She knew if she got out of the state's borders, the spells couldn't reach her. If this couldn't find her, they couldn't spell her. Without warning, a rumbling sound came up from behind them. Joel turned and a white ball of hot energy struck him in his side. Roaring in pain, he spun violently out of control, though he managed to hold his grip on Mary. Their screams mingled in the swirling torrent as Joel tried to retain control of his body. Finally, he was able to take a hold of the air around him, and they jetted forward and away from the witches that were now chasing them. The women blasted energy at their escapes with fervor, and Joel was doing his best to dodge them. To dodge them, The sky around them was lit up like glitter, cascading against the storm clouds. Mary cast backwards glance, only long enough to notice that their legion was being led by their mother, the two sisters close behind them. Though they were hooded and cloaked, she could recognize their power anywhere. Both women could only manage to manage energy balls that were murky and transparent in comparison to her mother's blinding power but they were catching up hallie made a wave of her hand with military precision and the coven began to spread out and encircle joel they rolled bobbed and weaved through the sky at a rate that caused mary's stomach to do somersaults 
She feared that they would most certainly be sick, but she knew she needed to keep her composure and wait until they had made it safely to the ground before she could even think of vomiting. Orbs of energy were shooting at them from three sides now as witches closed in, desperately trying to shoot Joel out of the sky. The masses of light rapidly wove their way over the trees like bomber pilots. Finally, the trees beneath them began to thin out as the edge of the forest became discernible. Mary glanced around feverishly, and their pursuers had fallen back. She and Joel were finally alone, and had nearly reached the river. Her hope returned as she opened her mouth to tell Joel. Hallie crashed violently into them out of nowhere. Mary was jolted out of her friend's arms, and she desperately threw her hand up and managed to catch his. The muscles in her arms sang with pain as she dangled in midair, her feet falling like that of a rag doll, as the river tumbled beneath them. Off balance, Joel main struggled to maintain his grip on Mary with one hand and fight off Hallie with the other, but he was having more and more trouble staying in the air. Mary's visions of falling and being swept away by the river, by the river's tumultuous current. Hallie's hand emerged suddenly from within her cloak, and Mary gasped when she saw her mother's possession of a great blade. Silver glinted in the moonlight as it darted back and forth, slicing through the air before finding its target and slashing a deep gash in Joel's arm. His scream carried through the air. Mary knew it was only a matter of time before the others rejoined her mother. She had to think fast, if she was going to do anything to save her friend and herself. But she was still so drained of magic. Mary caught her breath and channeled her physical energy into pulling herself up onto Joel's bulging arm. He responded as if he knew what she was planning, what to, uh, to do before she fully knew herself. With great effort, she swept quickly onto his back and crouched down and jumped forward, wrapping her arms and legs around her mother and grabbing the hand that held the blade in hers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hallie's eyes widened as the force of the momentum threw both mother and daughter out of the sky and into the churning river. The fall plunged the pair deep into the water, though neither relinquished their grip of the, grip of the other. Kicking towards the surface, Mary refused to release the blade's pommel. The women broke the surface, and at the same time, they gasped for air. But immediately, Hallie began to claw at her daughter like a wild animal. A mixture of rage and incredible sadness swirled through Mary as she fiercely fought back. Before she even realized how it happened, the blade was in Mary's hand. Without thinking, she turned it and slammed it into her mother's chest. The sound of crunching bones filled Mary's ears, and within moments, Hallie's body went limp. As the water began to turn red, Mary gazed in horror as her mother's blank, unseeing eyes fed hers. The current tugged at the body, and she still griped, 
gripped, the body that she still gripped, and then she let go, stunned. Mary watched as Hallie slipped below the surface and was gone. Exhausted, Mary tried to make her way to the bank. She was caught up in the current and dragged along. Water sloshed into her mouth, and it was all she could do to cough it back out. She could barely keep her head above water, and she wasn't sure if the overwhelming heaviness in her chest was due to the fact she just killed her mother or if she was drowning. Either way, she now longed for death and was ready to accept her fate. Mary was abruptly ripped from the depths by a strong grip by her waist. She barely had time to register she was being gently laid upon the muddy bank when her stomach lurched. Mary rolled and heaved her ribs feeling about to break as she vomited river water and bile. It seemed like an eternity before the onslaught of fluid subsided. She coughed violently and tried to catch her breath. Despite the painful tightness in her chest, she began aware of the sensation of fingers wrapping around the outside of her shoulders. Still a bit disoriented and too tired to try and fight, she found herself being pulled by someone's arms. One of the arms that had held her tight was covered in tattered cloth, blood, and dirt. It was Joel. He gently stroked her hair as he shushed her, and she had begun to cry. Shh, darling. You had to do what you did. You had no choice. It was either her or you. Joel reassured her, kissing the top of her head. Mary was hiccuping now between the sobs and trying to catch her breath. It, it doesn't matter, Joel. The words were caught by a growing lump of tears in her throat. She, she was my mother. No one should have to kill their own mother. In an ideal world, perhaps, but you see, we don't live in one of those. I suppose that's something that we can count as a luxury. Leave it to you to find a silver lining in everything, Mary remarked. Joel left out a chortle. And there she is, feeling better, I see. His words were stopped short by the sap of screams and wails in the distance <laughs> but we don't sorry but we don't have time to worry about that right now he pulled her to her feet and focused on their gaze on him with a strategic grip on her chin she was going to kill you the elders still will if they find you you have no other choice now but to run and never look back do you understand mary nodded and together they started to run through the bush mary listened with reassuring sounds of joel's footfalls beside her Suddenly, their steps were drowned out by the all-too-familiar noise of rushing air, and the rest of the coven had found them. Before Mary could cry out a warning, a bolt of energy slammed into Joel, forcing him to his knees with a grunt of pain. Mary turned back and grabbed him under the arm to try and pull him up, but her hand slipped. As she reached out towards him again, she saw blood pouring from Joel's chest. She gasped and tried to pull him up, but there was no use. He sank into the damp soil as another ball of energy whizzed past, striking the tree and cartwheeling off into the woods. Another closely followed, but slow enough that Mary dodged it easily. Looking up wildly at her attackers, Mary saw her sisters attempt to maneuver through the entwined tree branches on their brooms, shrieking in a fury as they clumsily aimed more spells at the pair on the forest floor. Mary again tugged desperately on Joel's arm. He opened his eyes with difficulty. But a moment later, she sat up and thrust her way with the force that nearly knocked her backside. What are you doing? She cried at him. Let's go. No, Joel said, stumbling to his feet. You need to run. I'll fight them off and I'll meet you when I know it's safe. 
He let out a loud growl as another ball of energy sang through the trees and stuck him this side, tumbling him over. Mary screamed and reached for him one last time. Go! He thrust her back one time again. This time she did hit the ground, her hip banging painfully on a tree root. She scrambled to her feet and then ducked to avoid another ball of flame. Joel doubled over, coughing violently. When he looked up, Bud was trickling from the corner of his mouth. Tears poured from Mary's cheeks. I'm not ready to say goodbye, she sobbed. Who said anything about this being goodbye? Joel huffed as if offended. The effort set off another coughing attack. When he was done, he cleared his throat and croaked. Goodbye is something you tell someone you're never going to see again. This is only farewell for now. He gazed at Mary as another spell struck a tree, shattering sparks all around them like fireworks. I love you, Mary. I always have and I always will. But you know you need to run, he growled. Mary gobbled, grabbed Joel's face, her tears blurring his features. Then, for the first time in the decade they had known him, she kissed him, tasted his blood, and returned the kiss with the same fervor, and then pulled away. Promise you'll come find me, Mary said, gripping him tightly for the last time. Promise. Tears streaked down Joel's face now. You know I will, he replied. Alive or dead, I will always be with you. He smiled at her. Now run, my love, and never look back. Shoving herself to her feet with a sob, Mary took one final look at the man she had only ever loved and raced off to the dark forest, the shrieks and sounds of fighting fading behind her like a distant dream. And, just as her best friend had told her to, she ran as far away as she could, and she never looked back. Dun, dun, dun. So that was 97, and now we have chapter 2, which is May 26, 2019. I'm just going to read a little bit of this one. <laughs> it was just after 5 o'clock in the morning when 19-year-old Billy Gladstone was standing out in the dark parking lot that was surrounded by angry, anxious customers who felt that it was perfectly acceptable to yell and curse at her about what time the shop was supposed to open. Who would have guessed that this many people in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, would need a coffee fix so early in the morning? It all started at about 4.30 that morning when Maureen, the general manager, decided not to show up because she needed a mental health day. And that was understandable. The problem was that they were opening the shop together, and Maureen had the keys. And she had set her phone to go straight to voicemail. Billy, already had been dreading the day, was now working a double shift. They had become ridiculously understaffed, and she started working there almost a year ago. And because she'd rented the small house, and the rent was a bit steeper than she was used to, Billy had signed up for all the double shifts several days a week. Of course, that didn't mean she enjoyed it. Even though she had absolutely no control over what was going on just then, no matter how often she explained that she'd called the manager across town and that they were locating a spare set of keys, the customers blamed Billy for inconveniencing them. The highlight of the morning was when a customer showed up to the locked doors in her pajamas and bathrobe, causing Billy to once again marvel at the fact that there were still people who apparently did not possess a coffee pot of their own. But Pajama Lady apparently didn't believe the coffee shop was still closed and made a futile attempt to wrench the doors open herself. Once Chris showed up with a spare set of keys, everyone piled into the store. They continued their litany of complaints and Billy scrambled to both work the register and make drinks. 
She didn't know it then at the butt crack of dawn, but this was going to be the eventful beginning to an even more eventful day. Although Jamie and Devin were mercifully on time for their seven o'clock shift, the rest of the day followed suit. Several customers tried to order fancy drinks and attempt to sound cool in front of their friends, but only to come back a few minutes later with their outrageous complaints. This chai latte doesn't taste like it has any coffee in it. I requested a heart design on my cappuccino. Does this look like a heart to you? It never ceased to amaze Billy how grown people could get so worked up and throw tantrums like toddlers. Who knew that a cup of coffee had the potential to make or break their entire lives? As if that wasn't bad enough, it would probably take an ocean of fingers to count how many times she had explained that day that they didn't make pumpkin bread in the middle of July. The simple fact that the coffee shape shop prided itself on the fact that all their baked goods were freshly made from local products and that pumpkin was a seasonal gourd. Of course, that never seemed to stop people from complaining about having to order banana bread. Dear God, Billy had decided after her first week at the shop that there must be somewhere in the fine print of her job description that she would be treated as less than a human. Her, patient, her patience ran out before noon, and she wasn't even done with her first shift, let alone the second. All of this boiled down to the fact that when she finally stepped out of the door that evening for the break, she was thrilled to see she had a missed call from Martha on her phone. They never left voicemails for each other unless it was an emergency. Smiling, Billy speed-dialed the number. It only took one ring for her mom's bright voice to answer. Hello, pumpkin, how's it doing? Or should I even ask? She chuckled, her voice sounding slightly distant as she talked through the car's speakerphone. Ugh, you can ask how it's going, but I'd rather just you didn't mention the word pumpkin. Yuck. If I don't hear that word again for the next century, it will certainly be too soon, Billy complained, scruffing her black tennis shoes on the broken pavement of the parking lot. Oh, I'm sorry, honey, that bad, huh? Martha, Martha responded with sympathetic tone that enveloped Billy in warmth and comfort. Hearing her mom's voice was always what made everything seem like it was going to be all right, no matter what. Yeah, I'm afraid so, but I get off soon. As long as I keep thinking about that, I'll be able to get through the rest of this shift. And I can hear the sound of my bed calling my name now. Billy smiled at the thought. Well, you want to know what'll cheer you up? I hope you hope you weren't planning on going to bed too terribly early, Missy. Oh, really? What is it? And since it's midnight, uh, and since when is midnight early? Billy asked. The anticipation of her voice kind of gave away the fact that she already knew what her mother was about to say. Because you're going to have a very special visitor tonight, Martha responded, a hint of mischief in her voice. Mom, how did you know Ryle Reynolds was coming over? Billy joked. That is so funny reading that back right now. Sorry, pause. Because I've met Ryan Reynolds now. That's hilarious. Oh boy, her mom laughed. If you were expecting Ryan Reynolds, then you are sure going to be disappointed when you find out that it's just little old me. Maybe I should turn the car around right now and go home. No, no, no. I take it back. I take it all back. I'd rather see you than Ryan any day, mom, Billy said, almost squealing like she had when she was a kid. But, you know, I don't get off until 11.30. You'll have to use your key. I have no idea what you're talking about, my dear, Martha replied gleefully. Like, I didn't notice you borrowing my key last week and innocently return running an errand to the hardware store. I know you. You're always finding ways to sneak into my house and steal my Girl Scout cookies, Billy playfully accosted. 
Don't you know that that's the only reason I ever come over anymore? Her mother countered. You're not fooling anyone. Can I say that I was ever really trying to, Billy? Woman, do you have no shame? Billy feigned shock and tone and splayed her hand across her breast like one of those actresses in a silent film. Are you clutching your chest dramatically? Her mom said. Of course I am. Haven't you met me? You know better than to look at me in that tone... <laughs> to look at me in that tone of voice, young lady. Oh my god. Billy heard a squeal of breaking tires on the other side of the receiver. Mom, what's happening? There was no answer for what seemed like an eternity. Mom! Billy shouted. Sorry, honey, I'm okay. Some idiot swerved into my lane like he didn't even see me. Martha's voice was shaky. Good lord, some people just need to learn how to drive. That was a close one, but I'm fine. Billy exhaled sharply in relief. Okay, well, no more long pauses, ma'am. When someone is trying to figure out if you're alright, promise? She tried to keep her voice light, but she knew her mother could tell that there was more than a hint of seriousness behind her words. Yes, ma'am, Martha said, but I'm going to need you to promise me something, too. What's that? I need you to promise me that you're going to be extra careful on the way home, too. I've got a bad feeling, you know, I'm not usually wrong about these sort of things. Do you promise? Yes, ma'am, Billy agreed. I'll be extra careful. She squinted at the cement and resumed scuffing it with her shoe. Worry pulled at her gut. I'll see you a little after 11.30, her mother confirmed. Yeah, replied Billy. Okie dokie, I'll see you then, my love. I love you. I love you too. Toodles. Billy responded before moving her thumb to hang up the phone before she could hit the button, though she heard Martha's faint voice over the line, I love you more. Always has to get the last word in, Billy thought, as she lovingly scoffed at the phone and returned it to her pocket. She was distracted for the rest of her shift, which had finally quieted down. Her mother's near accident had reawakened the irrational fear that she always had as a child. She had been so afraid that her mother would somehow be taken from her. A terrible thought that she assumed had stemmed from the stories Martha had told her about her childhood in foster care. Over the years, she had managed to bury the thoughts, but ever so often, they'd creep from the dark recesses of her mind. Despite all the grief that Billy had given Martha in her early years, the two were as close as a mother and daughter could be. In Billy's eyes, her mother was very much like a superhero, a real-life Wonder Woman. Though she didn't speak much about her past, Billy knew that Martha had been abandoned at the tender age of nine and said that nine was considered the most was considered the number of completion in some cultures. It was her guess that the universe figured that she'd received all the love and nurturing she needed by her ninth year. She ended up getting past her own from foster home to foster home. A few times she stayed long enough to develop an attachment, but inevitably was ripped away from that family for one reason or another. No matter what they did, none of the foster homes were able to meet the requirements she needed in order to keep her. Martha eventually aged out of the system, and as a distrustful young woman who had known little about stability and fewer lasting relationships until Billy's arrival, she had given up on hope of ever feeling that kind of familial connection to anyone again. Billy had definitely had no shortage of evidence that her mother loved her dearly. She had done her very best to raise Billy in their lower middle class digs. Even though they were very quite poor, as a nursing assistant, 
Martha made just enough money to keep them in their home and fed. They had been through a lot of very tough times, but at least they had never starved. In spite of their meager life, Billy had felt the harshness of difficulty. She had felt incredibly lucky to have the mother that she did. The one time they were kicked out of their apartment, Martha convinced Billy that sleeping in the car was a great adventure. Billy remembered all of the nights that her mother and her stayed up learning how to sew from a book she checked out of the local library, all because she wanted to make her daughter feel like she truly was the most special thing in the world. After she applied for her new newfound skills to the thrift store clothes, they felt like new fashion runway threads. Thanks to Martha's ingenuity, Billy never wanted for anything during her childhood, especially love. The only thing she ever felt that was missing was a grandmother. All her friends had grandparents, and she'd been over their homes a few times. It seemed like grandmas had endless supplies of chocolate chip cookies, card games, and soft hugs. They went to band concerts and baseball games to cheer for their grandchildren, but Martha had no family. And while she did her best, Billy couldn't help but wish for a grandmother of her own. Billy had managed to make it to the end of her shift without pushing any, without punching anyone in the throat or throwing not pumpkin bread back at them. After clocking out and shouting goodbye to the night manager, she ran to her car. Even though she felt like rolling down the windows and playing her classic 80s music as loud as she could on the way home, she remembered her promise to her mom that she would pay extra close attention to the roads and drive carefully. Unfortunately, when she arrived home, she was not greeted by the sight she expected. Her eyes and heart were assaulted with quite another barrage of images entirely, one she could have gone her whole life without seeing. They were waiting in her driveway. At the sight of their vehicles, Billy's heart lurched, and the excitement she had felt about Martha's visit turned to dread as she was revisited by the sense of foreboding that had nagged her after her mother's phone call. Suddenly, she felt tight with anxiety and gripped her throat. She was sure she was going to be sick. Billy pulled up behind the two vehicles very carefully. The sheriff and the fire marshal had made themselves at home on her porch swing. While they awaited her return at the sight of her car, they stood. Billy sat idling a few moments before turning off the car, as if the slowness of her parking would somehow postpone the bad news for at least a little bit longer. Finally, though, she stepped from the vehicle and made her way up to the two men. The looks on their faces said everything she'd been dreading, but Billy needed to hear them say it. Besides, she was getting ahead of herself. Chances were nothing was the matter. You know how water signs can be. Such worrywarts, her mother would say. What brings you fellas out here? Sheriff Pierce, Marshal, Doug. Billy shook both their hands. She knew them from serving them regularly at the coffee shop. Large black coffee and a large latte with two splendas. Well, they said. It was two splendas for Marshall's wife's benefit. But both Billy knew that he was really heaping amounts of sugars in his coffee. Get it together, Billy thought to herself wildly. Well, Billy, darling, began Sheriff Pierce, removing his hat and scratching the white patch of hair on his chest. There isn't really a easy way to say this here, but um, it's probably best if you take a seat. He gestured to the porch swing, and the marshal had vacated. Billy was barely aware of sitting down. What's going on, guys? Just tell me, Billy urged them. 
Marshal Dog made a gesture with his hand to the sheriff, indicating that he would take the lead on this one. Billy, it's your mother. Even though it was what she had been expecting ever since she turned into the drive, the words hit her like a heavy harpoon to the chest, knocking all of the wood completely out of her, leaving her with stinging pain to match. All she could do was sit there frozen like a statue, her whole being stunned at what he had just told her. Billy's mind scrambled madly, trying to get her to wrap her head around what was going on, but all she felt was spinning, the running of the synopsis, hearing their tumultuous, pounding footfalls in her ears. Or was it her heart? She was uncertain. Been an accident, the marshal said, saying. Billy, did you hear me? She looked up. What? She said stupidly. Marshal Doug squatted down in front of her. She was in a car accident. I'm afraid she didn't make it. Billy stared at her hands. Her fists were clenched. It was amazing that if you wanted to clench your fists, you didn't even have to think clench. It would just do it without your brain communicating actual words. She opened and closed her fists a few times before turning her palms upwards and resting them on the top of her legs. Billy, I need you to look at me, honey was the last thing she heard before blacking out. She woke up in the emergency room. A passing nurse noticed it was that she was awake and scurried off to find a doctor. Billy stared at the ceiling, barely aware of her surroundings. Her mother was dead, and there was no way to bring her back. Bring her back, bring her back, her mind chanted, but it couldn't be true. Not her mom. Her brain picked up a new pattern. It's not true. It repeated over and over until a doctor swept back the curtain and entered with the nurse at his heels. I want to see her. Billy's voice was flat. I'm not sure that's a good idea, the doctor replied calmly. You've had a shock. We need to keep an eye on you for a bit longer. I want to see her, Billy repeated. The doctor exchanged a look with the nurse. He was about to respond when Sheriff Pierce walked in. I'll take her down, he offered. Walking into the cold, dark hospital room, Billy knew that her mother was gone. The first thing she saw was Martha's foot. Her toenails were sky blue. The color her mother had painted them only last weekend when they had a Vampire Diaries marathon. She wished she didn't have to look, that she could wait until the funeral home blended away the trauma with mortician-grade cosmetics. But this was her mother, and she had to be sure. She pulled back the sheet and the gentle scent of lilacs wafted up to greet her, her mother's favorite perfume. Martha's dark hair was matted down, her arm bent awkwardly to the side, and her still pink lips were open. Billy gazed at the still form. She had just spoken with her mother, what, three hours ago? Four? Eyes were open slightly, as if they were trained on her daughter. Billy reached out and stroked her mother's hand. Cold. It was cold. She reeled back in horror. Cold, 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 cold. She couldn't be in here, a voice admonished. The body isn't presentable. The body? Billy thought. That's not a body, that's my mother. The sheriff murmured something Billy couldn't hear, and a hand guided away from the body that used to be her mother. Body, body, body. Without realizing what she was doing, Billy fell to the ground and started screaming. Sheriff Pierce turned to calm her, but Billy couldn't stop. Footsteps came running, and someone picked her up by the, off the floor and put her on a gurney. 
It wasn't until a needle slid into her upper arm that the world and her thoughts ceased spinning and sank into a hole of nothing. Dun, dun, dun. So that was chapter one and just like a tiny bit of, that was the prologue. Chapter one, right? Yeah, chapter one and a little bit of chapter two. I hope you enjoyed it. My back sucks. Next week, it's going to be just you and me. Actually, to be honest, it's probably going to be you, me, and Adam for next week's episode. He was just, he had a really big day at the wedding, so he's been feeling a little bit more concussion-y last couple days, but I know he's going to bounce back out of nowhere. He's been doing really good, which is awesome. So thank you to all of you guys for sending us your wishes and prayers. But Boo Crew, I love you. Stay true to yourself. Don't make a permanent decision on a temporary situation. You're my favorite, and I love you. And you're going to have a great night and a great day. We're going to have sweet dreams. Let's go take a nap together, okay? I'm going to kiss the microphone. Oh, you want another one? One more? There you go. Oh, Adam's here. Say hi, Adam. Hey, everybody. Toodaloo, Boo Crew. See you next week. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.